Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears. This is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file reports, make recommendations, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes as we sleep into our open mouths on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. Maybe one day we'll escape the subterranean hell that is this basement, but until then, the city is not going to improve itself. This meeting is now in session. Hello. What? Hello. Happy happy social distancing to you once again, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. We were we're currently 20 feet apart, so it's hard to hear you. That's why I'm doing semaphore as I speak. Oh, see cuz I I thought maybe you were reenacting like the HMS Pinafore. I know nope. something. Oh, damn. I was I was all set. I got dressed up for a night at the theater. Aha. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint, but I have spent the entire week learning semaphore just for this meetings. And you are the very model of a modern major general. So, so there you go. Oh, you noticed my epaulets. <laughs> I did. They, well, they stand out. Neon epaulets? I mean, that's, that's yeah. a statement, sir. I made them and out I... of toilet brushes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> you broke me right there. That's why they're neon. That's right. So they can be so they can be seen and 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 break coworkers. Mhm. Break their kayfabe. So shall we shall we take attendance? We should. Yes. Um can you disconnect your your epaulets uh from the wall because they're blinking and it's kind of it's kind of hard to like concentrate. But then how will you see my semaphore? That's a good point. You'll just have to speak louder. Okay. Okay, first attendee. Uh we have a uh, Len Len Podchi. Len no, no Len here. No, Len Pachi, the inventor of the first fully manual human-powered vacuum cleaner, the oh, Lung B5000. That's great. Uh, he's going to yeah. be here to talk about that? Yeah, he invented it uh, during the uh, Great Depression, yep. although he seems to believe that the Depression happened in 1985. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out more, I guess. I don't see him here. No. I don't know if he's going to make it. Um, well, who are you? I'm Paul Deshane. Oh, you know what? Those are the same letters as Len Podgy. So we're just going to like, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, I can we'll stand in for down. him. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. um, second attendee. Uh, ooh, Ian Agamond. Ian? Ian Agamond? Yeah. No, there's no Ian here. Funny thing about Ian Agamond, um, CEO of Agamond Industries. He, uh, he was the world's, uh, he claims to be the inventor of the world's other first human-powered all-manual vacuum. Huh. The Mothomatic 9000. I was hoping they might like get in a bit of a tussle, have a vacuum off. You never know. Oh, a vacuum <laughs> off. <laughs> don't ask me. Um, they would just start vacuuming each other. <laughs> yeah, what I don't kind know. of a meeting did you want to have tonight? The kind of meeting when two titans of industry get together and do start doing <laughs> things. Okay, I'm, I'm so sorry I, I, I came up with this. Um, let's, let's just say that uh, Ian Agamon cannot be here this okay. evening. And uh, in his place, we'll have somebody with the same letters in his name, uh, Aiden Morgan. Okay, good. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm here too. Yeah, it's sad. I was looking forward to them being here. I put on my epaulets and everything. Well, I believe that actually I wouldn't. I, I, think, I think at least one of them has epilepsy, so... Oh, I guess so. You I'm... don't want flashing epaulets. It would interfere <laughs> with, with, with the whole workings of their vacuum. 
<laughs> mouth vacuums. Yes, we can't have that. All right. All right, let's let's please move on from this. Yeah, especially since we have guests tonight. Yeah, and they're listening to us right now, which is just, just horrific. We have two uh, official improvement vectors many time over. Uh, Judith Verisock from the Regina Downtown Business Improvement District. Hey, how's it going? Great. It's wonderful mm-hmm. to see you. Yep. So good to see you too. We also have from the Warehouse Business Improvement District and uh, biathlete, Lisa Gibbons. Hey, yo. How did you find that tidbit of information? <laughs> Your investigative skills are unmatched. Well, you know, we, uh, we haven't had a, uh, a biathlete on the show ever before. And uh, I'm pretty excited because there's a sport that needs to make a comeback. Well, we live in the perfect province for it. Guns and yeah. cross-country cross skiing. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a naturally socially distant sport. Absolutely. And if someone gets too close, you just shoot them. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's not how it works. I'm sorry. Do not no. shoot other people. Only yeah, targets. No. Or you can ski over them. Just. Fair. That may have happened once or twice. When that happens, you become a quadrathlete. Not sure where this what... meeting is going, but no, I'm in. I don't know. No, I don't even know have... what that meant. We have very serious things to talk about. We, oh, we really do. Uh, you guys are like on the front lines of uh, the whole, you know, COVID response and businesses' response to uh, to our whole lockdown and the recovery therefrom. And we wanted to check in to see how uh, your neighborhoods are holding up under uh, the, the weight of this uh, pandemic, this apocalypse. Well, by no means am I a frontline worker. Let's, I, I just want to be clear that um, the true frontline workers are the ones putting their lives on their line. And I'm the one just making sure our businesses do their best to get through the, the crisis. So, um, yeah, it, it's been a tough couple of months there. And, um, you know, everyone trots out that line, you know, hope you're feeling safe and well in these unprecedented times. But that really sums it up, right? Like, um, no one here has ever seen this before. And, like, I hope we never will again. But, um who knows, like, wear your mask, people. But um, yeah, it, it's been extremely challenging for um, businesses, bus- like business owners that have poured their life, life savings, or it's their life, their business is their life. And um, to see it have to shut down um, due to public health concerns, um, it, it's really hard. And I think there should be, uh, we should commend those businesses for just like not fighting it, just really taking the, um, the public interest um, to heart and putting that ahead of their own self-preservation in, in some ways. Um, but now that um, we're slowly coming back to our, um, our city centers, our, our, um, our workspaces, um, that's what Lisa and I are here to do to try and help these businesses weather this storm and position themselves so they can continue to do business in a safe manner um, that, you know, the community can support. Now, I've heard that you've been going out and grabbing people off the streets and putting them into like retail positions. Is, is that with their memories wiped? Is, is there any truth to that? Yes, I kind of use like that dog catcher thing. So we have that six feet distance between each other. 
Um, Very so good. I collar them with that and then I force them into our retail businesses or our restaurants and then use our litter pickers to grab their wallets out of their pockets so they can make their purchases in a safe manner. Oh, so I was curious. We are, we are full service in downtown. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, because I was, I went for a walk downtown like, a little while ago, and then I spent like three weeks as a, like, uh, in the clothing section of the Bay. So my memories are very hazy, but I do remember like this, like, collar, like these pincers coming around me and like an evil laugh, which sounded a bit like you. Well, you know, the next time you're downtown, you should let me know because we could definitely put you to work as one of our clean team members. Um, so providing that much needed support to downtown just by keeping it clean and tidy and hopefully as safe as we can given it is a public area. So yeah, our team's out there kind of wiping down high touch touch points, things like crosswalk buttons, um, exterior door handles. They've been doing a lot of um, power washing of patio spaces or sidewalks. So um, we've really been able to repurpose some of our traditional summer staff that we use to support our events that are no longer happening and um, really put them to, um, to good use supporting um, public, public interests. How's the, uh, how's the warehouse district doing? You know, I think that's an interesting question. Throughout COVID, I was pretty impressed at the ability of business owners to come together to try to problem solve collectively i mean often in competition but when something like this hits they really all work together but you know going forward it's going to be hard this new normal does not mean we're normal it's it's going to be tough we're going to we're going to see some losses i think over the next year and we're hoping to help and support them and try to reduce that if we can but yeah it's going to be an interesting upcoming year have we, um, I know that uh, Boards and Beans is shut down, uh, downtown. Have we seen any other businesses that have had to make the big announcement that uh, COVID has done them in? Lisa, do you want to go first? Um, I mean, we've had a few. I think uh, Matrix was temporarily located in our district and hoping, hoping to reopen. And, and Mark and I had been talking. Uh, but COVID was just the final nail in the coffin and there are other businesses too that we already were struggling in many respects, especially food and beverage. So adding COVID into the mix of that and having to lay off staff and, and business owners working twice as hard to make less money, just trying to keep their staff employed has probably been the, the key. Jude, have you had any big losses? I'm trying to recall mm -hmm. some off the top. Well, we had um, a few businesses closed, but I know from talking to the owners, COVID was not the reason why they were kind of planning um, planning that. But at the same time, I know we we do have businesses that are struggling. And like Lisa was saying, I, I hope we don't hear it, but I'm also prepared for, for, for news if, if it comes to that point. But What's great is that we've seen a few businesses open amidst all of this. And I know Aiden, it's in your neck of the woods. Um, Oi Cafe opened on broad uh, Vietnamese subs and the owner there is quite lovely and um, their subs are really amazing. So, um, you know, that's a new business to support and I'm sure the plans were there to open 
um, pre-COVID. So, you know, following through with that, you know, you just got to got to give it to her for, for um, taking the plunge. Places like Candy Boutique, who was typically um, pre-COVID, she was in an upper floor in the Somerset block, and she also took the plunge and um, relocated her business onto Hamilton Street to have a storefront. Um, places like the Ragged Ass Barbers, who rebranded as Culture culture um, lounge they're oh. now in the somerset building next to mortis and tenon so um you're still and good eats right that was um a great new business for downtown <clears throat> you we just gotta throw as much support as we can to to these entrepreneurs and you know help support them make their make their business thrive and i think going back to what lisa was saying like her we had a lot of conversations with businesses that um, the first thing out of their mouths was their concern for their staff. And I think that's lost in a lot of some of the media attention that typically goes to larger national chains. You know, they're, they're worried about bankruptcy of these national retailers or restaurateurs. But um, when you talk to the local businesses that have been around, they're worried about their staff. They're worried about their s- staff, keeping them employed, being able to pay them. They're worried about their safety from when they come back to work. So um, I think that just really goes to the humanity and, you know, the heart of our community. That's who we have in our community. They, they care about, about their employees. They care about their, their fellow citizens. And um, yeah, that's kind of what really drives Lisa and I anyways, to keep fighting the good fight and help, help them kind of make it through this crisis. What successes are you seeing up in Warehouse, Lisa? You know, I think the surprising win, as Judith was saying, are the number of businesses that have chosen to open. I mean, the alternative opened during COVID as an online store, which was not their goal. They were not going to have an online component. But given the climate and the unknown timeline, they opened online and now you can go in, which is fabulous. Um, uh, Bricks and mortar who were on 6th Ave have opened a second location. Uh, one of our folks who was a tenant has bought a building and is moving into their own space. So things like that are great to see, especially when they're old uh, buildings that maybe need some restoration. And taking on a project like that during COVID might be daunting, but these folks are bold. Well, that's reassuring to hear that like, it's not all dire tales, right? Like that seems to be what we're confronted with is just the, uh, the doom and gloom so much. It's nice to hear that people are actually like making the best of this. Uh, and I should mention that we're on 91.3 FM CJTR tuned into the community. And this is the Queen City Improvement Bureau. And we're speaking with Lisa Gibbons from the Warehouse Business Improvement District and Judith Farisak from the Downtown Business Improvement District. Something that I have heard is uh, how much you guys have been doing to support business. Mm-hmm. Can you guys talk about like some of the stuff that you've initiated? And I, and you don't have to be like modest or anything. It sounds like what the, uh, the bids have been up to has been, uh, has been really impressive and has really helped out. When have we been modest? <laughs> so That's actually a really good point. I don't know why I put that in. <laughs> so one of the projects, like the pro- project that I am most proud of um, working with Lisa was our staff supper initiative. And um, this project was an, I- an idea that kind of 
came from Mark Heisey from Rebellion. Um, and he just had a lot of concern for his staff. Again, seeing how small business care so much about their staff. And um, at the time, it was um, in the height of lockdown, not really knowing when we were going to be able to go back or what we were going back to. Um, so I think it was April when we started putting this together. Um, concerned about the mental health of um, of his servers, of his bar staff, folks that have that are typically very social and are used to being out, you know, talking to people and and um, having those conversations. All of a sudden, to be kind of locked up in their house, um, scared to to leave. So, um, what what he suggested, and kind of what we came up with, was a program called Staff Supper, where once a week, um, Lisa and I would organize a dinner from a local downtown or warehouse restaurant. Um, we reached out to all of the hospitality businesses downtown and asked them to share the invitation with their staff where they could purchase um, a meal from our chosen restaurant um, and we would charge them a nominal fee, um, but the bids would subsidize the rest. And then um, Lisa and I were like Uber Eats for, uh, for about seven weeks there, making these deliveries and making these connections with these folks in the industry who we typically might not really interact with. And when we would get home, after we make, would make all our deliveries, we would then host a Zoom call with all of them, just so they could have those conversations with folks in their, in their I guess their own peer group there, um, and talk about you know things that they're scared of, things that they're looking forward to doing again, talking about how good the food is, so um, it was really great to kind of work with our restaurants and then provide that that meaningful dialogue with um, with the folks that work in our districts. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that. Is a lot of food. I probably gained about what what is it? The quarantine fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> I put that on. So. Um, and that was partly because of staff supper. <laughs> so um, we've stopped doing that ever since the, uh, the business has opened back up. But um, we're working now on kind of like a wrap-up cookbook kind of thing that uh, talks about the experience and um, how it impacted the hospitality industry. That's awesome. That's really great. Uh, do you think the communities are stronger now? Yeah, I think so. I think we spent a in all of the times where we try to bring industry groups together to have meetings about whether it's downtown restaurant week or we're working with gyms to do fab fit fab COVID kind of nobody had any place else to be. They took the time to join the zoom call. They went to webinars. They did all of those things that we've been trying to capture for engagement for years. And suddenly they had a vested interest in working together on whether it was an advocacy piece or whatever. I, June, I'm assuming that you guys found the same, that people were really eager, eager to connect. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was just it. Like, again, Lisa was being modest, but she hosted weekly calls with her businesses and it was probably like therapy session for them. So, um, like that's that's a lot of time. That for me, that's going over and above what what we typically do here. Um, myself, I, I was doing um, daily emails to the businesses, just letting them know, you know, what announcements have been made, what 
What programs can you access to keep your business afloat? Sometimes it was mental health tips, like, you know, here are some really great screen, like meditation type type places to to log into. But what was great is that I think through this, we've really built stronger relationships with all of those businesses. And um, hopefully post-COVID, um, we'll get more um, participation, more, more, I guess, collaboration, not just with us, but with each other, like the businesses themselves to really make the core of our city, um, you know, that much more stronger. That's great. Of course, you know, it was a lot of wasted effort on my part because I've seen the contagion shows, the zombie movies when this all started, like I was stocking up on, on toilet paper and um, vodka and uh, canned food. And we, you know, we spent like that whole first week just like battening down all the hatches and sealing up the doors. And we built that trebuchet so that we could like repel the hordes that were coming to city hall. Sorry, oh, were your epaulets while you did that? Of course, because I was, you know, the chief high general of the uh, of the COVID army, and there was nothing like I was. I was expecting people would be coming for our toilet paper, but it's kind of a washout, uh, a big waste of time. I, I took that toilet paper and the canned food and the trebuchet, and I built like a Mad Max style vehicle out of it, oh. and just just drove around town, um, waiting waiting to be raided. But it never happened. Was someone riding the front hood like in Mad Max Fury Road there? Yeah, a couple of my cats. Like a some party? I had them just lashed, you know, one of them playing playing a bass. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And, yeah. and nobody nobody shot at us. Nobody threw anything. They just came out and went, oh, look at the kitties. Yeah. I was very <laughs> deflated. If I'd known that this whole experience would have brought people together and, and um, made, you know, people happier about things. I would have spent my time in uh, quarantine learning how to play Kumbaya on the guitar. Instead, I built a trebuchet. That is not wasted time. No, no, no you just, we, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna rent it out afterwards. Well, you know, if people don't wear their masks, we're gonna get a second wave and then your, your hoarding tendencies will come into play. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Hoarding and home defense tendencies. And we could use the, the trebuchet to like launch people who don't wear a mask. Straight to, straight to Moose Jaw. Right. Oh, there you go. Or, or into the Capel Valley, which is beautiful uh, any time of year. Is that an ad? That sounds hmm. like an ad spot. Did they pay you for that? No. Can we do no, that? Uh, sir- Can we start paying you guys to talk about Dudney Avenue and the rail yards? Well, as soon as you like can match the Capel Valley's offer, then then we'll talk. Oh. We're getting there. There's some work We're being done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we should actually uh, move on. You guys are going to stick around for the second half, I'm assuming. Sure. Especially yeah, since you're like, yeah, since you're a host of this meeting, I think you have to. <laughs> yeah, but we have to move on to Innovative Revenue Tools. Um, do you, uh, um, what? Innovative Revenue Tools. Well, you always talk about these things. You never explain them. What? It, what is this? Oh, I'm sorry. That was an oversight on what? my part. I will, I'll explain, I'll explain. Uh, so an innovative revenue tool is mm-hmm. a, uh, it's a tool. That, okay, I got that. Okay, it's innovative. Yeah, no, that's, that's obvious. I mean, that's, and, yeah, I get it. And oh, wait, but this is the kicker. Okay. It generates revenue. Okay, you lost me. But anyway, well, I'm sure I'll get it. Just continue. Uh, well, 
one of the things that people like people keep talking about masks, you know, that we have to give out masks. The problem with giving out masks is that, you know, if the city starts giving away masks or the bids start giving away masks uh, for free, uh, there's no revenue there. True. So we need to find something that we can sell that is uh, COVID appropriate. And um, I was thinking that we need to like start selling Dickies. Hey, so people are spending all of their time in uh, these Zoom meetings. Uh, They are, you know, at best, they're wearing sweatpants if they're not just like naked from the shoulders down. So, but who wants to get dressed just to go to a Zoom meeting? Nobody, because why? So a dicky is, it would just be like a little, like a, a, a circle of fabric that you would like to poke your head through the hole in the center and mm-hmm. it would just lay over your shoulders and it would be made to look like, you know, a, a really nice suit. But just like from, a, you know, just a rider's outfit. Yeah, or a rider's outfit, right. You could even have like um, those shoulder paddy things that those football players wear. All sorts, the, the, the possibilities are endless. And it, but it would only like, you know, cover you from about, I don't know, your uh, nipples up kind of thing. Because that's really all you'd need. Can, can we actually start a branded line called Nipples Up Dickies? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really Excellent. good idea. And uh, you could have like suits, fancy ball gowns, riders wear, as you say. And um, yeah, then you can go to these Zoom meetings and you can be dressed very fancy, make all of your friends feel like, you know, slugs trash just utter trash because you're always showing up so well dressed in your nipples up dicky capel valley was paying us a little bit but the fine folks at nipples up dickies have been like compensating us very well yep all right well if nipples up dickies doesn't make the city a fortune we have a few other innovative revenue tools we can play right now The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. Hey, we're back. Most of us. Yeah, we lost lost a Judith. Hey, Judith. Sorry, it was my dog wanting to be let out of the room. (laughs) You didn't see my sweatpants, did you? Nope. Or my nipples up, Dicky. <laughs> no, no, it was. Uh, you've you've got you've got like the the top of the line model. So yeah, you're you're covered. Hey, uh, so is there any other new and exciting stuff before we move on to anything else on the agenda? Is there any other new and exciting stuff coming to a warehouse or downtown in the near future that we need to know about? Uh, we have a few things actually. Uh, Nuit Blanche is going to take a you're off from downtown with construction and join us in warehouse. We're going to do a vehicle parade light show. Oh, nice. So socially nice. distanced, uh, lots of volunteers. I'm sure there'll be a call out for volunteers. So anyone who's able will have masks and all that good stuff. And there's a rumor that there's going to be a little food truck event coming up in the next week or so at Centennial Mall. So I'm excited for that. Now, hmm. not event, eventy, but a congregation of five food trucks from which you may order socially distanced. Nice. So we're excited for those things. Anything in downtown? Well, last week was the first weekend of Krugo Fest. So if you're not familiar with that, that was our... Um, I guess, version of a vertical concert um, where they installed a stage on the top of the roof of um, the lower part of the Doubletree 
and then rented out the rooms in the bal that have balconies on that side. So oh. you could um, kind of look down at the concert. So um, I think they were at about what 80% sold out for the first two nights. And then this weekend, the sheepdogs are coming. So that's the, I guess one of the few big events that we're having downtown, but um, having gone there with Lisa last week, it was great to be able to go out and socialize with folks, but feel really safe at the same time because the the guys there did a really good job of making sure that um, uh, physical distancing was, was observed and um, directional signage. Uh, so you're not really coming into contact with other people in hallways or, you know, the pathways were very, very um, delineated. So I'm um, looking forward to second weekend and hopefully, you know, beyond COVID, I thought this was kind of really cool. I, I know that um, places like Ukraine have, have done these types of things, but, um, and we're very lucky here that we still have a hotel that has balconies um, because it's not something that you see in newer hotel builds these days. So um, yeah, it was, again, great to see folks out and enjoying themselves and hearing live music again um, while being time. Non-event-wise, you know, it sounds really cheesy of me to say this, but um, I'm really excited about construction on Victoria Avenue. You know, by the end of this summer, all of Victoria Avenue downtown will be done. Um, it will be, you know, the medians will be reconstructed. We'll have those ball boats to make it safer for pedestrians to cross. I was just talking with the city about additional wayfinding signage and um, potentially some new bike rack locations along the route. So there's a lot of good things that are still happening. Um, mind you, it's really impacted the business that are on there, like having to deal with COVID shut down and then roll into an, a construction project. But at the same time, that water may, like all the pro, all the underground stuff on Victoria Avenue needed to be placed. So it'll be really nice to have that project done. And then the city can move on to places like Sass Drive or 11th Avenue or Dooney, which all need to be redone in the next, what, five, 10 years. So yeah. this is just the tip of the iceberg. I know there's a lot of businesses that are doing things like fixing their floors during this time. So it's like downtown is fixing its floor. Right. Well, it was always planned to fix their floor. Like, I think my only criticism of the project was if we would have been able to extend um, the working hours to go right to sundown so we could get through it quicker. But I understand a lot of the contracts were signed in advance of COVID hitting. So it's really difficult to kind of change things up and it affects the pricing, obviously. So we kind of stuck with the same timeline that we had pre-COVID. But yeah, it was a project that needed to be done and um, it'll be done after this year. Uh, it does look fantastic. Like where mm -hmm. the, the west side of Vic that's already been done. Like it's a dramatic improvement. It's so much better. Victoria Avenue in that stretch was at the end of its lifespan. It needed to be done and got like those medians. Remember like the curves were all cracked and like the trees were all dead and... <laughs> So whenever I drive through there now, I'm like, oh my God, this is so pretty. And our snow plows haven't broken the concrete yet. So <laughs> this is, this is awesome. We'll see after a couple of years. Let's hopefully, hopefully we can maintain the nice things we have downtown for a little while anyway. Um, Paul, can I give a little shout out? Oh, of course. One of the things that happened out of COVID that has continued to grow, which I think is pretty cool, is Outlaw Trail Spirits. So they went from rum runners, I mean, making spirits, 
to transitioning over to hand sanitizer, which was quite a process to get Health Canada approval and ensuring they're using, of course, uh, medical grade ethanol. So best product in town, hate to tune our own horn. We helped them with their initial steps in buying the products to kind of get them started. And in turn, they provided hand sanitizer for free to warehouse and downtown. It was pretty awesome. That's amazing. Where can one buy that? Uh, They are doing curbside pickup. You can order online their family pack, which has a bunch of small sprayers and the big one to reload. It's, uh, It's pretty awesome. And I am slightly biased, but I will say it's one of the better non-smelling hand sannies. Nice. It doesn't smell like you were at Manhattan's all night. I, there's an advantage to that, though. So we're actually marketing a cologne that just smells like Manhattan's. We just yeah. kind of scrape the bar, the floor, and the, like the bar. We've I think we have that as a candle right now. We should drop it off. I would spark that up. So is it just me or does it feel like everything's just cleaner and fresher now? Everybody's well, washing their hands. You say that you've, in the downtown you've got like kids going around and polishing all the brass and stuff with hand sanitizer and everybody's just like being clean. It's pretty nice, isn't it? Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, When we were in the height of COVID, Lisa and I did um, a survey of general population, you know, what would make you feel better about coming back to businesses? And the overwhelming response was, you know, we want to see them taking care in cleaning their businesses, showing that they're disinfecting the spaces, that they're being as safe as possible given the COVID outbreak. So really, we really took that to heart. And that's kind of like the information we kept sharing with our businesses, right? Like, make sure people see you like spraying down the booth after, you know, uh, patrons leave, right? Like, I see that when I go out, I'm looking for that when I go out. And then I know, okay, I know I want to go back there again because I know that they're taking care of not just their staff, but of the patrons as well. So that's really great to see. And then when COVID hit, I'm not sure if you guys were aware of this, but, you know, the Canada Summer Jobs Grant was all the applications had just come in and we were supposed to hear about our allocation of funding for summer students. And when um, COVID hit, we were given the opportunity to reassign our staff to different things given um, the impact of COVID. So all the folks that we typically would hire for Info on the Go team that go out and set up our events and kind of help out at our Cinema Under the Stars and do all that, we took them and reallocated them to our clean team. So we have, um, I think, six people um, when typically we have two. So we've tripled tripled the staffing complement and um, we're just making sure that um, to the best of our ability dealing with the public realm they're out there making sure downtown's as safe as we can make it given it is like a public area so it's great to hear you say that I I'm, I'm hoping this sticks around I'm hoping all of this like hygiene is a thing we keep well who doesn't love good hygiene right Exactly. Mm-hmm. The people and that I'm, don't wear masks. How bad it was. That's the real. <laughs> yeah. And the masks, I'm okay with that too, because now I can go around and people can't really hear me like muttering under my breath. And it actually hides my resting bee face. So um, it's actually been a real like relationship saver sometimes. Is that why you wear your mask around me now? I understand. <laughs> I wear it around my house too. <laughs> <laughs> Family saver. That's right. 
I only wear masks, the finest masks from available at all, at all fine businesses in the Capel Valley. All right. Well, we are on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. This is the Queen City Improvement Bureau, and we're speaking with uh, Lisa Gibbons of the uh, Warehouse Business Improvement District and Judith Veristock of the Downtown Business Improvement District. So uh, would you guys mind moving on to uh, just a couple items that are on the Planning Commission meeting this week? Sure. Non-COVID stuff. Love it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up is because one of the items, so uh, last week they were supposed to have a Planning Commission meeting. Apparently there was... uh, Technical difficulties. It did not happen, so it'll be uh, this week on Thursday, the same day that will be re- that this will air. I hear that the uh, Cameron and Heap Wholesale Grocery Building on 1938 Dutney is up for heritage designation. That's pretty exciting for the warehouse mm-hmm. district. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, always great when we have property owners who not only do a great job in attracting tenants, but also take care of their property. And in this case. It's, a, it's an interesting building. If you drive by now, you'll see all the windows are boarded up uh, with plywood because they're waiting for that status so that they can put in the heritage windows. And of course, if they don't get the status, they won't put in the fancy windows. They'll put in normal windows. So we're, we're yeah. excited to see that project come forward and hopefully in September see some movement. Do you have any sort of scoopage on uh, what's going to go in there if they get the heritage designation? Um, You know... I had been talking with them when they first acquired the property and started to do some work and had a great tour of the space. It's kind of cool inside and some different ideas were thrown around, including kind of a food hall and then Mm -hmm. local market went and opened a food hall. So I'm not sure that that, and whether now is the time to be opening a restaurant, that's a whole nother question. And, and does that model change when you look at it through the lens of COVID? So I think some of those questions uh, that property owner is answering as we move forward and trying to figure out what what does the property management side of their business look like during COVID? Like who are the proper tenants in that space and how do they maintain that safely? But it seems that um, vacant properties are moving. I, I am surprised by that. So I'm hopeful that that building will fill up and, and be a vibrant space in addition to the warehouse district. Cool. Well, okay. Other things that are coming up uh, at this planning commission meeting, this actually like uh, impacts downtown somewhat. Uh, the YWCA's big move to their uh, spot in Cathedral, so leaving their building next to uh, in downtown, uh, they're going to they're looking for a discretionary use permit so that they can start construction at 1950, 1955 Italic Street, and that's for their uh, YWCA Center for Women and Families. And that has been a hugely controversial project to the cathedral neighborhood. The neighborhood center and um, a lot of uh, residents who live further afield think it's a great addition to the neighborhood. But uh, apparently there's a lot of concern the people who uh, look on to that gigantic vacant lot uh, want to keep it just a vacant lot. Nothing, nothing beautifies a neighborhood quite like a big vacant lot. It's green-ish. Yeah, it's greenish, rectangular. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves a massive empty rectangular space, just like a big gash out of the out of the neighborhood. Uh, what's proposed for there, though? Uh, the, there's drawings in the uh, the report. It seems pretty good. It's like an upside down U, 
And there will be on the east side, there will be uh, condos. Well, not condos. There'll be like uh, apartments. They'll be uh, four stories up. They'll have programming space and uh, offices for um, complimentary services go in there. And then in the, uh, the courtyard that's created by this upside down new building, there will be a round facility that will be um, an indigenous healing space. And then just south of that will be a big park with a whole bunch of uh, park features. So that's the plan for there. Uh, the biggest concern is that, well, the two big concerns are that the size of the project will be four stories. People feel that's a little bit big for their neighborhood. And also there's concerns about, uh, you know, there will be addiction services will be offered out of here and uh, homelessness services and some concerns about the kind of people that this would attract to the uh, cathedral neighborhood. However, as I say, Overall, the cathedral community is like welcoming to this. It's just uh, sort of the people, the, the, the fear of change in the uh, immediate neighborhood. I think that's always a challenge. Um, like when people don't know what to expect, the, the gut reaction is to oppose it. So um, not that I agree with them, but I can see where that has happened in other projects throughout the community. Um, but can you tell me, I think the architect of the YW project is um, 1080 Architecture. Is that who I it is? Think, so. I think you're right, yeah. So um, I'm friends with the owner of that, that firm, and um, they were also the um, architects for the school at Elphinstone and um, 13th Avenue. And she, again, also a controversial project. And... Um, in talking to her about that project, she said that there was a lot of opposition at the beginning. And as they opened up the school and began using it, they've had nothing but accolades about how that space works and how it works within the context of that part of the cathedral neighborhood. So um, I have the utmost faith in that architecture firm that they're doing right by the community and how they've designed um, the project and the elements that they've brought in. Um, I find that that company is very thoughtful and considerate and um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I don't know as much about the project ex itself, but I know support services for um, women in our community are much needed and um it's something that we should support because. Yeah. There's been a lot of development in cathedral that met a lot of uh, opposition. Uh, I also think though, that uh, when you have a community that is so, uh, so attentive is a good political word. So attentive to the <laughs> development that's happening. Uh, I think it pushes the developers to do a better job. So mm -hmm. preempt the fight, right? Like yeah. <laughs> let's get ahead of this. Yeah. Do it before the shovels are in the ground. Yeah. Um, okay, so the last thing that's on this uh, agenda uh, for Planning Commission is uh, the Bagshaw residence at 56 Angus in the Crescents. Uh, it is on the Heritage Inventory, and the owner of the building, the house, wants to get that Heritage designation. Well, it's not a designation, but it wants to be off the Heritage Inventory so they can tear the house down. Peculiar timing, considering that uh, city council has already signaled that they're not so cool with a lot of uh, heritage buildings coming down. They already just like declared, the, they declared the Cook residence 
on Albert Street, a heritage property, and are now in a whole like fight with the owner to make that stick. This building is odd in that in the report, there is no mention of there being any problem with the building. In fact, as far as the city is concerned, it's in fair condition, they say, although everything in their report makes it sound like it's in like pretty darn good for a heritage neighborhood. They have designated it only a grade two heritage property, though, and the uh, administration will only recommend uh, heritage protection for a grade one. Uh, I don't know if you, any of you know this building, but it's kind of a, like a triangle roof, like so many roofs are. Uh, very, very broad front. It has uh, sort of like a dark salmon pink uh, stucco and green trim. Uh, and a huge enclosed uh, porch. It's a lovely building, but it has been sort of let de- like deteriorate. It's disturbing that this is happening, that the city administration isn't sticking up for this, because while this building itself may not be like the greatest heritage building in Crescents, uh, Crescents has seen like a lot of encroachment of like some less than awesome infill developments. The city's uh, method of it's established what's a heritage property doesn't seem to take neighborhood character into consideration. And so if you consider the Crescents as an entity, as it loses these, these nicer old buildings that are in good shape, mm-hmm. it quickly becomes something other than the Crescents. It stops being this, um, this uh, representation of the city's heritage from the turn of the century during like the 1911 to 1913 period when a lot of those houses were built up. I I would be surprised. um, I don't know if council has an appetite to like declare another property a heritage designation, but uh, yeah, they, they seem to be very adamant about preserving these buildings. So it'll be an interesting discussion on Thursday. See if they, see if they save it. Uh, I was much more angry about this this morning, but then I had some coffee and I'm feeling better. But (laughs) yeah, we'll see. But Paul, it really speaks to the soul of our city. I mean, that's kind of cliche because warehouse old city, but I think really getting to the vision of what our city is and Judith and I've had this conversation many a time what is our, what's the vision, the generational approach? And I find that we're often stuck in the mud talking about land use and zoning instead of who are we and what do we want to be and what makes us different. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it'd be an interesting conversation. And I think what frustrates me with places like uh, infill in neighborhoods like Cathedral and Crescents is that, uh, especially Crescents, Lakeview a little bit as well, when you take down one of these buildings, you don't put in, you don't put in like a duplex or a four-story building, it increases the density and increases, you know, arguably could increase the vibrancy of the neighborhood. It's usually like another single detached house gets put in, but it's usually one that has a much bigger footprint and it usually looks like a butt. Like it's, these buildings, yeah. they've, they're, they're gray, beige, or taupe, uh, <laughs> suburban prestige builds that just get dropped into crescents and look ridiculous. And they're, they're, they're just kind of ugly and tedious. But, um, yeah, it, 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 they, add, they seem to never add something to the neighborhood. They only take away. And that's, uh, I think that's the real tragedy there. Well, once it's torn down, it's lost forever, right? So yeah. let's start making good yeah decisions. Well, the idea that I had this morning was that if we're going to have this two-tier, like grade one and grade two heritage buildings, if somebody comes along and wants to tear down a grade two 
uh, building on the heritage list, let them do it, but have like that automatically triggers really strict architectural guidelines around what can be built in its place so that it's, you know, that we can require sustainability, solar panels, um, solar orientation. And we can also like, you know, make, say they have to look nice and they can't be gigantic monster mansions, monster McMansions that we see so often. So, but I guess we'll see. And that was about it. That's, that's uh, your uh, planning commission meeting. And uh, well, yeah, we're almost out of time. What should we, uh, should we move to adjourn? Is that, what, yeah. is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. That what I'm, yeah. Oh. Since we're pre-recording and I got, I can always cut out a bunch of the, you know, the babbling and I can speed sure. us up. I can like, I can chipmunk Ooh. voice us. Yes, yes please. please. Please do. Okay. Let's, let's, let's have a whole chipmunk uh, queen city. Chipmunk City Improvement Bureau. Or- yeah. Ooh, as a Christmas special. <laughs> Aiden and the chipmunks. Ready to sing songs? Instead of Alvin and the yeah. chipmunks. Yeah, get the mayor to come in and sing. Yeah. She's a great yeah. singer. Yeah, and we can chipmunkify the mayor. Maybe he would. Maybe you could actually hear him. All right, I think we should move to adjourn. I agree. All right. Well, then, in that case, we uh, we adjourn this meeting. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Tune into the community. You can hear us on 7 to 8 live Thursday evenings, or I believe, is it 3 to 4, Paul, on Monday afternoons? So if you cut off work early, you can listen to us in the car. Uh, Coming up next, we've got the Nerdcore Cabaret with Maddie V, followed by the Cockpit, then music all on through the night. Find us on Twitter at Queen City IB, also Queen City cdib.com and cjtr.ca they've got a new website coming it's going to be a banger alright thanks again to, uh, to Judith and Lisa for entertaining us on, on tonight's show that's it thank you keep on you're welcome keep on improving Regina Versions on Augie, but he's a cutie. <laughs> and I love Paul's background. Mm, it's pretty nice. Where are you? You're outside on the porch? Yeah, I'm on my front porch. I've been, this is now my office. This is where I've been doing everything <laughs> since like June. And it's been pretty great. But uh, yeah, right now I do have the sunlight right in my face, but I need the sun. I need the vitamin B. So. I don't know where the others are. They're just Hiding. hang around. They're being cats. Being cats. They'll do what they want when they want. Every now and then you move your head and it looks like you have a really tiny cat licking your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been looking at that and trying to like avoid that, but I'm like, that's great. <laughs>